It's good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. If you would take your Bible and turn to Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8. Read verses 21 to 23. In the context, of course, Ezra is preparing to go back from Persia back to the land of Canaan. And uh, he's gathered some men, and uh, a group of them are going, about 50,000 from what we understand. And then verse 21 says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God. Seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. Titled the message tonight, simply fasting for a right way. Fasting for a right way. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity, privilege that we have to be gathered here. Thank you for each one that's come. Lord, I pray that we be encouraged and challenged tonight as we consider the subject of fasting and prayer. I pray that you speak to hearts and encourage us in our walk with you. And uh, Lord, that we might uh, be fervent effectual in our prayer lives. We do pray in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Fasting is probably one of those things you don't hear much about. We live in an age, in a society at least, um, of affluence, of wealth, of, of, of uh, uh, much things, and, and um, uh, we have an abundance of things, and that's not something that's very common in a society like that, but but be that as it may, <clears throat> as we think about fasting, I have several things I want to mention. First of all, the practice of fasting. Now, fasting was a common and frequent practice in the Bible. Uh, Moses fasted two times, 40 days and 40 nights. I wouldn't recommend that, but he did. Uh, David, of course, talked about fasting in the Psalms. Uh, Jehoshaphat proclaimed a fast when... I believe it was the children of Ammon or the Moabites came against him with a great host. Uh, Daniel fasted on several occasions and for one, one time for 21 days. Uh, of course, Ezra, Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1 tells us that Nehemiah fasted, Esther and Mordecai and, and many others. Uh, it's spoken of throughout the law and the prophets and the Psalms in every area of the, New, of the Old Testament and, of course, also in the New uh, the word fast or fasting or fastings or fasted is used six times in Matthew, five times in Mark, five times in Luke, five times in Acts, and in 1 Corinthians and also in 2 Corinthians. And God's choicest servants have practiced fasting throughout history. Throughout history. In fact, Jesus said that after his departure, his disciples would fast in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14 and 15 Matthew 9 14 and 15 
The Bible says, Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn, as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from him, and then shall they fast. So he's saying, basically, while I'm here, they're not going to fast. But when I'm gone, they will. They will fast. Of course, he is the bridegroom. So Jesus said his, when, when his disciples would fast after his departure. We're still living in that time period. And so God uh, expects us to fast. Uh, fasting is, secondly, fasting is self-affliction. It is self-affliction. Here in Ezra chapter 1, or chapter 8, verse 21, it says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Hava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. So fasting is considered here affliction. He said we are going to fast that we might afflict ourselves. The word afflict has the idea of, of to humble, uh, to, to uh, put down. And so, so it is self-affliction. So fasting, so think about it, the practice of fasting. Practices, or the fasting is to draw one's attention wholly toward God, abstaining from lawful or things that are okay, you know, okay pleasantries. Uh, of course, you know, in the Bible you have abstinence from, it's abstinence from food or normal physical pleasures. In fact, in Daniel chapter 10, <clears throat> Daniel chapter 10, Daniel described his fast uh, in Daniel 10, 1 through 3. He says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So, you know, he, he, he didn't eat, he didn't eat uh, or drink wine, which would be fruit of the vine, grape juice. Um, you know, he, he, you know, probably just water. Uh, so he did it without those normal physical things that were pleasing to his body for 21 days. Uh the psalmist said in Psalm thirty-five, thirteen, "I've humbled my soul with fasting." So fasting is a self-affliction. You know, the Bible again. The Bible does not command it, but does commend it. It's not commanded, but does commend commend it. Uh, and the third thing is to think about the practice of fasting. Fasting is beneficial to one's health. Now, this is not a reason given in the Bible for fasting. It's not really a biblical reason for fasting. However, it is a side benefit. Uh, you know, fasting isn't, isn't, isn't of course, uh, it's, so it's not particularly for, for one's health, although it is uh, helpful to one's health. Well, I find this on, looked on several websites, and most of them agree on most a lot of the things. But this one says, 10 evidence-based health benefits from intermittent fasting. Uh, intermittent fasting is an easy, easy eating pattern where you cycle between periods of eating and fasting. Numerous studies show that it can be help, 
have powerful benefits for your body and brain. Here are ten. Intermittent fasting changes the function of cells, genes, and hormones. When you don't eat for a while, several things happen in your body. For example, your body initiates important cellular repair processes and changes its hormone levels to make stored body fat more accessible. Uh, and some of those things are insulin levels. Blood ins- levels of insulin drop significantly, which facilitates fat burning. Human growth, human growth hormone, the blood levels of growth hormone may increase as much as fivefold. Higher levels of this hormone facilitate fat burning and muscle gain and have numerous other benefits. Cellular repair, the body induces important cellular repair process, such as removing waste uh, material from cells. And gene expression, there are beneficial changes in several genes and molecules related to longevity and protection against disease. Uh, Also, number two, intermittent fasting can help you lose weight and belly fat. Of course, if it, it uh, burns fat, that's, that's why. Intermittent, uh, number three, intermittent fasting can reduce insulin resistance, lowering your risk of type 2 diabetes. Uh, four, intermittent fasting can reduce oxidative stress and inflammation in the body. And oxidative stress is one of the steps toward aging and many chronic diseases. Number five, intermittent fasting may be beneficial for your heart. Six, intermittent fasting in, induces various cellular repair processes. Uh, When we fast, the cells in the body initiate a cellular waste removal process called autography. This involves the cells breaking down and metabolizing broken and dysfunctional proteins that build up inside cells over time. And so this can protect against diseases, diseases including cancer and Alzheimer's. Uh, So bottom line is it removes waste from your body. Intermittent, number seven, intermittent fasting may help prevent cancer. Eight, intermittent fasting is good for your brain. Intermittent fasting, number nine, is, may prevent Alzheimer's. And number 10, intermittent fasting may extend your lifespan. So there are health benefits, but again, that's not a biblical reason, although you could use that as a reason to fast. But fasting is not also, it's not a formalistic ritual to promote one's spiritual superiority. You know, Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew 6, and verses 16 to 18. This is one of the things he condemned the Pharisees for, Matthew 6, 16 to 18. It says, Moreover, when you, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure your faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So, so it's not some formalistic ritual that we do to uh, pride ourselves in our superior spirituality that's what the pharisees were doing it was all an external thing to be seen you know you know of course when we fast where he says to go in your closet don't appear to be fasting so that's the practice that secondly the purpose for fasting and again ezra chapter 8 verse 21 says then i proclaimed a fast at the river of haba that we might afflict ourselves before god to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for our substance 
For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken of the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated for us. So so fasting, it is for self-affliction. I mentioned this already. And of course, the word afflicted, afflicted here means to put down. So, so to put down, you know, we hear a lot about self-esteem nowadays. And um, with all the self-esteem promotion and everything, you know, people, most young people look down on themselves more than they ever did. There's more suicide. You know, the suicide's still up. Uh, it, it's, it's not, you know, has nothing to do with self-esteem. It means basically to humble oneself. It's to draw to inward inspection. Inward inspection and reflection to examine and search our hearts, our motives, you know, why we do things. Uh, you know, to draw away our eyes from the temporal to the eternal, from what's physical to that which is spiritual. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 4 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So, so, you know, fasting is to draw our attention away from that which is physical to that which is spiritual and to put our focus on the Lord and a self-examination. And that's what they did here. They afflicted themselves and says they fasted, afflicted themselves. And notice three things that they, that they did this for or their purpose for this fast here was, and we can apply that to us today, First of all, and it was to seek a right way. Now, and he lists three things. For us, for our children, and for our substance. Now, that's a good three-point outline, although I didn't alliterate. Uh, you know, and we need to seek a right way for us, for our children. You know, we need wisdom to conduct ourselves in the right way. They needed wisdom to conduct themselves in the right way. There were many adversaries facing them. If you notice in, in verse uh, 22, verse 22, it says, For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them that them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. You know, again, understand they're traveling from Persia all the way back to the land of Canaan. And so that trip, you know, if you were looking at a map that was hanging on a wall, it would go sort of like this. To avoid going across the Jordan, they wouldn't be able to cross the Jordan, Transjordan Desert because of the fishers, Bible class. The fishers, you know, then it's just desert there. They wouldn't survive. But so they had to, you know, go like this up around, and it was four to six months' journey. And there's enemies along the way. And they have a vast amount of wealth with them. So, you know, they are, they have to be very wise in conducting themselves. And seeking some protection, because uh, there were there were there were many, and of course, when they got to the land, even there was still, even though they had some some 
they had the sanction of the king, even there they were under constant threat, as we know from the book of Nehemiah. So there's many adversaries. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Philippians 1.28 says, In nothing terrified by your adversaries. Now, the church of Philippi, they had adversaries, but Paul said, don't be terrified by them. You know, there are many adversaries that we face in the world today. And it doesn't necessarily come in faces of people. Of course, it all does eventually come from, you know, directly, indirectly come from people. It can be social media. You know, there are many adversaries. Um, and we must not be terrified by our adversaries. You know, if we are terrified by our adversaries, it will, it will um, polarize us into doing nothing. And so, you know, these adversaries, of course, can cause us much damage in our walk with the Lord. So we need, we need to seek a right way for us. We need to ask God to give us wisdom for each day and how to conduct our lives in pleasing and honoring and glorifying to him. We need wisdom. We need to seek it right way also for our little ones. Uh, as he said here, for our little ones, verse 21. You know, the world and compromising Christians want to kidnap our children and enslave them to the world. You know, I'm sure there were enemies, by the way, that would like to have enslaved and made slaves out of these people's children. Of course, that's not anything new. It's happening in our world. It still is. In fact, a guy I used to work for a company, uh, Art Blanton worked for him too, for that same company. And um, anyway, I talked to him at Spurgeon Rebecca's wedding, and I asked him so what he was doing. He said, I'm work, doing the same thing, but I'm doing it on my own. He said, he said the guy that ran that company is, is out of the country. He had to flee the country because he was involved in sex, sex slave trade from Charlotte, North Carolina. So, you know, they're, you know the world and compromising Christians want to draw our children into their ways. And we, we live in a, a dangerous world. There's dangers in every hand. And so we need to seek a right way uh, for our children. And thirdly, for our substance. For our substance. Again, they had much wealth. Look at verses 24 to 29. It says, Then I separated twelve of the chief of the priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, ten of their brethren with them, and weighed unto them the silver and the gold and the vessels, even the offering of the house of our God, which the king and his counselors and the lords and all Israel there present had offered. I even weighed unto, in, unto their hand 650 talents of silver and silver vessels of 100 talents and of gold and 100 talents, also 20 basins of gold of a 1,000 drams and two vessels of fine copper, precious as gold. And I said unto them, Ye are holy unto the Lord, the vessels are holy also, and the silver and the gold are a freewill offering unto the Lord God of your fathers. Watch ye and keep them until ye weigh them before the chief of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers of Israel at Jerusalem, 
in the chambers of the house of the Lord. So he said, we need to seek the right way for our substance. You know, again, you're talking of, you know, I tried to figure this up one day and, and, uh, and doing a little research. And, you know, it's millions of dollars worth of stuff, silver and gold, copper, you know, the vessels that Solomon had made that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had carried away. Some of that was that, too, along with a lot of silver and gold to, to fund their journey and fund their, their, their return back in the building of the, of the temple and all that. So, so there was a vast amount of wealth here these people were transporting on that four- to six-month journey through enemy territory. And there was an accounting of what they had, and they were responsible for what was given them. Notice verse 30. So took the priests and the Levites the weight of the silver and the gold and the vessels to bring them to Jerusalem unto the house of our God. So, you know, they were fasting and praying and asking God to give them protection for this journey. And, of course, there was an accounting for it. Uh, they were res- given responsibility for what was given them. You know, and God has placed on us the responsibility of what he's given to us. We are stewards of what he has given to us. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord of thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thy increase, so shall thy bonds be filled with plenty, and thy precious shall burst out with new wine. When he says first fruits... You know, we're talking about tithing off our gross before taxes. It's a gross before taxes. And whatever gain we have, really everything we have, we are to use wisely for his glory. We are stewards. We ought not say, well, Lord, this is mine. I can do with it whatever I want, unquote. Kind of reminds me of I saw online, and it happened. I think back in who I said June or July or August somewhere. Um, trying to remember now where it was. Whether it was in North Carolina or Virginia. Anyway, this uh, older lady is getting groceries, and she unlocks her car and put her groceries in the car, and then gets in the front seat. And as she, when she got in the front seat, a guy came in the passenger door in front, front and beside her and pulled out a gun and said, give me your money. And she just kind of looked at him and she says, Jesus is with us in this car. She's 80-some years old. And she began to talk to him and witness to him. And he begins to cry. And long story short, you know, Eventually, he, he, he just he, he said something about, you know, he heard these kind of things when he was a little, little, little boy. And she gave him $10. She gave him $10, what she had. And he left. You know, it's not ours. It's the Lord's. And we need to think of it as the Lord's. And whatever we, we have is the Lord's. We ought not just throw it away or waste it. Luke 16, 1 and 2 says, And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he would waste his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, 
for thou mayest be no longer steward. First uh, Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So whatever we have is given to us by God. It's God that gives us power to get wealth, and we use it for his honor and glory. And, you know, I'm not saying we have to tithe all of it. No, we need to give him what's due his, but we need to use what he's given to us wisely. Wisely. So we need to be faithful stewards. So they, they prayed and they fasted concerning their substance. You know, we, need to, we need to take seriously what we do with our substance, our, our things we have. You know, uh, you know Americans are some of the greatest wasters probably on the face of the earth. And so we need, to, we need to use it wisely. And then fasting also is a way a minister of Christ approves himself. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 10. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 10 says, But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. And, of course, you notice one of the things he says, approving as ourselves as the ministers of Christ, patience, afflictions, stresses, necessities, and fastings, watchings and fastings. Uh, when I was at the conference in Missouri, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of his name from up in South Dakota. Priest, the last last message, and he said, if a young man desires to go into the ministry, one of the things he tells him is, you need to learn to fast, deny yourself. Um, so fasting, and Paul says here, fasting is a way a minister of Christ approves himself, and fasting also is necessary for breaking down certain demonic strongholds or impossibilities. Look at, well, look at several verses here. Look at Matthew chapter 17, while we're here in the New Testament. Matthew 17. <clears throat> There's several examples of this in the Bible. Fasting is necessary for breaking down certain demonic strongholds or impossibilities, or what seem impossibilities. Matthew 17, verse 18 well, let's read, get the context, verse 14. When they were come to the multitude, they came to him, a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. And for oft times he falleth into the fire and off into the water. And I besought him to thy disciples, I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your underbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you say on this mountain, 
uh, remove, and, and hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. Go to Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. <clears throat> Esther chapter 4. Esther and Mordecai are facing death because of Mordecai's faithfulness. In Esther 4, verse 16, Esther says, Go gather together, saying this to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, so I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. And of course, we know that, of course, the verse that she, so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. And of course, we know that God intervened and she did not perish. And in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4, Nehemiah is given the news of the situation at Jerusalem, the dire straits that they're in. Of course, he's the king's cupbearer. What's he going to do? And, <clears throat> but he was burdened about it. In verse 4 it says, Nehemiah 1, 4, And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And, of course, we know that then uh, the king noticed and Nehemiah was given leave to go back and rebuild the walls, which was almost an impossible task, but it was done in 52 days. Uh, so, uh, necessary to breaking down certain demonic strongholds or impossibilities. Uh, we need to, you know, sometimes we need to fast. We need to fast when sorely tempted. Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, Jesus fasted, and then he was tempted. Uh, we need to fast when wisdom is earnestly desired. You know, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, was trying to understand the, the vision or the, the times in Daniel 9, in verses 2 through 4, it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face on the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And, of course, you know, he confesses his, his sins, the sins of his fathers. And, and in this chapter, then, in this time of fasting, it is revealed to Daniel the time of the Messiah's crucifixion. In, in verses uh, uh, 26 and 27, um, it tells the time of the Lord's con, uh, crucifixion and when he was cut off. So we need to fast when wisdom is earnestly desired. We, we ought to fast when help and protection are needed. And, of course, Ezra chapter 8, verses 21, they needed help. They were ashamed to ask the Lord or ask the king. You know, they had told the king, the Lord, is, our God is a great God, and he will do good to them that love him and, and fear him, and he will be against those that, that uh, uh, you know, are against him. So they were ashamed to ask of the king, but they needed protection. So they besought the Lord. 
Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapter 20, when this vast host came against him, uh, he set his face to seek the Lord and, and proclaimed a fast throughout the land. And we know then that the Lord uh, intervened uh, for them. Uh, we should fast for loved ones and the defeat of God's people. Look at Second Samuel chapter, Second Samuel chapter one. Second <clears throat> Samuel chapter one. Second Samuel chapter one, verse one. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had abode two days in Ziklag. It came even to pass on the third day that behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes rent and earth upon his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. <coughs> Excuse me. And David said unto him, From whence comest thou? And he said unto him, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. And David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, That the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. And David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan his son be dead? And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Geboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. We looked behind him, he saw me, and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me, for anguish has come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. I took the crown that was on his head, and the bracelet that was on his arm, and had brought them hither to my Lord. Then David took hold on his clothes, and rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. And they mourned, and wept, and fasted until evening, for Saul, and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord, for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword." So, you know, we ought to fast for loved ones in the feet of God's people. Uh, we ought to fast when launching new ministries. And men go forth to preach the word of God and to battle spiritual enemies. Of course, we find this in Acts chapter 13. When they sent away Paul, before they sent Paul away, in Acts 13, it says, when they had fasted and prayed, they sent them away. Um. Verse 3, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And then again in chapter 14, in verse 23, uh, Paul, uh, and on his way back to the church of Antioch, it says, when they had ordained them elders in every church, had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So, you know, launching new ministries, uh, there should be fasting and prayer. And we should fast when involved in spiritual ministry. Of course, 2 Corinthians 6, 5, we saw that. And Paul talked about it in chapter 11, verse 27. He was in fastings often. Fastings often. And then, finally, we should fast during times of special repentance, confession, and revival. <clears throat> Look at Joel. Joel chapter 1. Joel chapter 1. Joel chapter 1, verse 14 says, Sanctified, of course, the word sanctify means to set apart. So set your apart yourself a fast. Sanctify ye a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God 
and cry unto the Lord. Cry unto the Lord. In chapter 2, in verse 12, again, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. And in verse 15, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Uh, in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, they gathered the people and they proclaimed a fast. And there was a revival. People got right. You know, when, when, when uh, the Ninevites repented, they repented in sackcloth and ashes and fasted. Even to the animals fasted. And God saw it, the Bible says. And he repented of the evil he was going to do in the you know, think about this. Who's the wickedest king in the Old Testament? Huh? Ahab. Ahab. And of course, Ahab took for Jezebel Naboth's vineyard. And the Lord sent Elijah to prophesy the doom of Ahab's house. When Ahab heard that, it says that he repented and went softly and sat in sackcloth and ashes. And the message came to Elijah and said, turn around and go back and tell him, it's not going to happen in your day, but in your son's day. Even Ahab got God's attention because he afflicted himself through mourning and fasting. You know, Jesus made a definite promise about fasting. In Matthew chapter 6, that we read earlier, Matthew 6 and verses 16, or 17 and 18, where he said, But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God promises a reward to those who fast. Even Ahab was rewarded for his fast. Now judgment still came. But he died in battle. So, you know, fasting is not commanded, but it is commended. It is commended. You know, we need to pray and we need to fast. A right way for us. For our children, our families, friends. Pray for families to be added to the church. Pray for the ministries particularly the Francis, been started and sent out from here. You know, God promises a reward. He will reward us openly if we will afflict ourselves in fasting and prayer. So might the Lord help us and fast for a right way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again 
for your love and mercies to us. Thank you for the word of God and how it encourages and challenges us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in this area. I pray that you would just um, help us to, blip, to, to allow the spirit of God to bring our bodies into subjection and we might deny ourselves and examine ourselves before you and seek your way and your will and your desires for every area of our life, that we might pray and fast on behalf of others who are in bondage of afflictions or bondage to sin. We pray that you just give us, give us the uh, fervency that we need, and we'll thank you and praise you. What you do, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.